Welcome to the Inspire Teacher's Guide podcast. We are Kim Wilkins and Laura Woldridge, just two teachers trying to podcast. We are so glad that you've joined us. Welcome back, everybody. Last week, we uh, touched on a new topic, mm-hmm. cognitive regulation, and we learned we learned quite a bit, didn't we, Laura? Yeah. It's just stuff. fascinating stuff. It is fascinating stuff. It's a lot of things that we've known, but like mm-hmm. really to be purposeful and intentional with. Yeah. yeah. I think it's good. So just a reminder that cognitive regulation is really self-directed regulation of your thoughts and beliefs, mm-hmm. which we could probably do a whole podcast. We, I know we could do a whole podcast. That could be, yes. That, that could, could be, be the whole thing. Yeah. So what's something you got out of it? I just think about as I was reading and studying and preparing for it, and then as we discussed, just how much of an impact that these skills can make in our classrooms. And I think we, when we talk about emotional regulation, that's easy to think, oh yeah, that definitely would make a difference. But there's this huge set of skills that are cognitive-based, like attention and Attention and goal setting and, oh, and metacognition, metacognition. Mm-hmm. really those can make just as much of an impact on our classrooms on the smooth runningness of it um, as emotional regulation. So they are really big deals to, like you said, to be intentional about addressing. Yeah, I think for me, it was this idea of goal setting and the difference between performance mm-hmm. goals and mastery goals. And how really performance goals, they only take you so far. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're competing with somebody else, then you kind of limit yourself. But if you set your mastery goal and say, you know, last time I read 100 words a minute, today I'm going to go for 105. Mm -hmm. I'm setting a goal for myself. So helping kids set those goals and working with them to set those goals of mastering certain skills instead of, I've got to be the top reader in the class. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Or I have to get an A. I loved that analogy you gave last time, you know, thinking about it really does. If if we're only setting performance goals, then the learning really isn't the focus. And like you said, I may take an easier class just so I can get my A yeah. and yes. I'm not focused on my learning. I thought that That's was a right. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of kids... I remember when my oldest child was in high school, you know, a lot of the kids would talk and mm-hmm. I worked with the cheerleaders. So I was around them and I would listen to their conversations and they would be really apprehensive about taking a class that would really beneficial benefit them in the long run, but it was going to be hard to make an A in that class. They wanted to be an honor graduate. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, take it. Take it's, it. It's worth it. It's okay. No one <laughs> asks you ever, were you an honor graduate? <laughs> That's an interview question. Yes. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, guys. So today's episode, we're going to focus more on cognitive regulation. Um, We will dig into recognizing and resolving problems. That's going to be a biggie that will impact on search. Yes. Seeking help, decision-making, and organizational skills. I just think those are... Those are big ones that if we really go down to the underlying issues of things that we see in our classrooms, a lot of the issues we see will direct right back to these cognitive regulation skills. 
Um, we're excited about sharing this content with you because we know it will improve your teaching. And of course, that impacts student learning. We really want to challenge you to be creative with these ideas that we're sharing, thinking about, okay, how could that work at my grade level? And how could I expand it? Um, but just trying to give you some intentional ideas for how to develop your kids and our own cognitive regulation skills. That's right. That's right. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I don't think children even begin by recognizing a problem, like recognizing that this is a problem. A problem. <laughs> this, this is what my problem is. They know that something's not right, but they can't identify what it is that that's the problem. And in the the book, they gave the author, uh, authors gave the example of Finn, who's a third grade child, and he was worried about completing a project and he was going to go to his grandparents' house. And that was going to be a problem. Going to his grandparents' house is not a problem, but with the in project. order for and grandma's house. That's right. So mm -hmm. he had to come up with a solution for his problem. That is such a life skill that we need to be teaching our kids young. Oh, that for we sure. can't we don't need to solve all the problems for them. We need to help them recognize what the problem is mm -hmm. and then identify some solutions with them as parents yeah. and as teachers. Absolutely. And I think there's I mean the opportunities for this abound. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the book that Kim was mentioning is All Learning is Social and Emotional Learning by Frey Fisher and Smith. And we have that linked in the show notes. I highly recommend. Oh, it's so good. So good. Like so, yes. so good. And yeah. a lot of the um, points that we'll bring out are coming from that book, from the studying that we've done. So they mentioned that, you know, solving a problem, it has to begin with recognizing that that's a problem. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's just huge. And they will probably... Many of our children will need assistance in recognizing that it's a problem. Right. And, yeah. um, you know, that really comes out. They point out to us, the authors do, that this is really about a growth mindset. And so we can use patterns that we see with kids, maybe forgetting homework or whatever that's the pattern that you see. You can start nudging them to saying, oh, are you sad that this happens often or whatever? Oh, this is a problem, you know. Um, mm -hmm highlight it, giving them the language, I think would be very helpful. I think so too, because they'll say things to me like, I, I just, she doesn't give, she, whoever she is, doesn't give me enough time to finish my work. Well, that's not really the problem. What, what, helping them identify, what is it that you need in order to finish your work? What are some obstacles that you have? I mean, are you getting, are you leaving another class and getting there too late? Um, are you having trouble getting started? Right. You know, sometimes, sometimes kids get overwhelmed, especially if they're, if they struggle a little bit in a particular subject and they don't really, they put off starting. We do that as adults. I put off making dinner last night because I, I just didn't want to do it. I didn't want to get started. It was going to be a lot of work, but man, it was good. I made a, a chicken pot pie. Oh, good. That does sound good. It was really good. Yep. Um, I'm just, I think the biggest thing that we can remember is they're going to have to need, they're going to require our support to yes. recognize a problem and to begin to resolve it. Yes. And Coaching them in that. Yes. Providing, providing options. Mm -hmm. um, 
I was just thinking about how, I mean, how big, I know we're always mentioning modeling and prompting, but it really is Mm -hmm. so important to do, you know, modeling when we have a problem, acknowledging that out loud and, and then even maybe thinking aloud, okay, what are some options to solve this problem or whatever? That would be so good for the kids to hear. Mm -hmm. And then we can start using those same prompts when we're working with them. Yes. You know, what are you noticing? (laughs) You know, or whatever. Um, It's just it's just a big deal. The environment that we put our kids in in our classroom will help either foster or hinder um, these cognitive regulation skills. Yeah. Just it, the the example from Bird by Bird from Anne Lamott, I had that book actually at home and the her brother didn't want to start writing. He had a project to do and he was trying to get a report done. He had had three months to write this report, but he waited till it was due the next day. And it it was a report on these birds and he'd had all this time to research and study and write it. But of course, you know, he didn't do it it. because Mm -hmm. he's a kid. He's 10 years old. And her, her memory of that was that her dad sat down with him and said, just begin bird by bird. And that's where the title of that book comes from. Oh, Let's go easy. bird by bird. So just if we can teach them to take little bits, mm-hmm. we're going to take one little piece. We're going to work yeah. on that piece and then move forward. Mm-hmm. I think we can't solve big problems immediately. We have to right. instantly. It has to be taken mm-hmm. bird by bird. I yeah. think it just goes back to many of the things we've talked about. We have to be intervention like mine, our mindset has to be intervention based. Mm-hmm. And we know with reading interventions and math interventions, a lot of times we don't see growth just in one lesson or two lessons. Mm-hmm. And so this does take time um, because they are mm-hmm. building a skill. That's right. They're building a skill. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And they need support and guidance all the way through building that skill. And then they will begin to anticipate when, a problem might arise because they don't even know that they're just blind. They're they're little (laughs) children. And, you know, even, um, like adolescent age or teenagers, they, they may not have built that skill, but Mm -hmm. at any rate, they're still not, they're not finished developing. So we still have to coach all the kids through that. Absolutely. Um, in the book, they mention a problem solving script. And I think this would be good for us to put up in our rooms. Um, yes. Like I got a big heart by that. <laughs> you think? I got a big heart. Okay. Great big heart by that. Yeah. I've got a big circle on mine. Okay. Um, you know, like here's some examples of things that they put up on their problem solving script is step one, listen to the description of the problem or task. And number two, ask questions to help, you know, the student or whoever differentiate the central problem or task from complicating issues or distractions. So Mm -hmm. we're trying to get the kids to not just go to the blame route, but actually identifying the root. Yeah. Um, And number three, restate the problem. So it's actually giving steps that you can follow for mm-hmm. us to help help the kids problem solving but i am i'm thinking about okay how can we adapt this and teach our kids 
a script to follow when they get in a problem, either in the classroom or outside the classroom. So really watering down the language um, that they have in here and, and showing the kids when you recognize a problem, here's one thing you could do to help yourself. Look at our script and see if there's something that you could, you know, mm-hmm. activate from here to help you get on the path to solving the problem. One of the things they say in the book, too, is you as the teacher, the educator, the parent, whomever, you make a plan to follow up with that student to see if he or she has put their plan into action mm-hmm. because they um, tend to uh, be paralyzed in their <laughs> in their work on certain things. So, <laughs> absolutely. Maybe the language could be something like, "What's the problem? State mm-hmm. the say yes. what your problem is. State only the problem. Only the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Write it down." And what's the first thing you can do? What's the first right thing to do? If I could just do one thing. You know, there's that podcast, The Next Right Thing, I think is the, Uh and I think that's a great concept to teach kids. Mm -hmm. That's kind of like you were saying, the bigger issues, or really we just need to know the next right thing to get us going on the path. You know, my mom always said, when you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. Mm. So just do the one thing that you know to do and mm-hmm. then ask for help when you need it, which and leads us to our next point. Most likely when you do the next right thing or just do what you know to do, that's going to help regulate your state and you probably will be thinking a little bit better. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And once, you know, a body in motion tends to stay in motion. Mm-hmm. And so once we get started, the dreading is always worse than the doing. I'm full of cliches today. So many cliches. So many. But it is. It is. Once we get started, it's it's easier to keep going. Mm-hmm. But once we stop, it it's it's hard to start. Yes, it really is. Okay, yeah. well, let's go into our next cognitive skill, which I have noticed is a huge issue, is seeking help. Students seeking help, knowing when and how, all that. And when I'm talking yes. about when I've noticed it is an issue is with college students. And so, of course, that will yes. transfer to our teenagers. Um, I, think they're, I think in college, they're kind of intimidated. It's a yeah. new world for them. And, you know, they, they've left the comfort of a high school where they knew people and mm-hmm. there were counselors and they knew the teachers and they may have had them for repeated classes. And now they're in a big college situation and everything's new. Right. The people they've gone to school with aren't there. So there's everything's unfamiliar. So they don't really they avoid it. They, they avoid-, avoid it. Yes, they <laughs> do. And I think it's just one of the best skills that we can help our students and our own personal children is advocating for themselves about how to do that. Yes. But seeking help mm-hmm. is a big deal. You know, we just talked about recognizing and resolving problems and help seeking, seeking help is a really good friend to it because many times we're trying to resolve our own problem, but we can't. And so teaching kids how to seek help will be just fantastic because that can help you resolve a problem. Yes. Yeah. What about the ones who 
always want help with everything. Oh man, I'm, they really exhaust me to be honest. No, <laughs> no, they so don't they, learn to be resilient mm-hmm. and yeah, or even try. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like their first yeah. thing is to raise their hand yeah. and say, yeah. "Help me." Yeah. Um, and so I always tell students and teachers training to be teachers, we have to do a lot of undoing. You know, mm-hmm. if if that has worked for the child, then of course they're going to activate it. Mm-hmm. But we have really got to, and you know, that's a lot of times a conversation. You know, I, you are asking for help. I'm noticing that you're asking for my help a bunch, but I know you have a very smart brain and I want you to start trying, you know, to be confident because a lot of times it is just a confident issue, confidence issue, yes. or, you know, you might just think that's an attention issue, but we learned from Amy, they're seeking connection. And so, you know, possibly they're just trying to show you that they really are engaged in your content or whatever, that they're trying to show you that they do belong in your classroom and things like that. I think it's, it's kind of this whole idea of um, seeking help and recognizing and addressing problems is kind of a feed forward feedback Mm -hmm. issue. So when you have those students, I think that are coming to you and don't want to get started, that's when we need to really identify the problem. What's the problem you're really having instead of jumping in there and helping them solve the problem Mm -hmm. or uh, complete the assignment. What, where are you getting tricked? You know, there's a thing we do. We use in my program, we use Socratic questioning. Mm all the time with kids. We don't really give them answers, even though we're kind of nudging them sometimes, but we'll say, well, tell me why. Mm -hmm. And is that this, or is it, is this a or B we give maybe options, but we don't just automatically say, Oh, that's a vowel and close syllable. It's short. You code that with a brief. Right. We would say, okay, what do you notice about this word? What kind of syllable type is it? Mm -hmm. What do we know about a closed syllable? So we use that, questioning to kind of prompt them. So Mm -hmm. when kids do come for help, that doesn't mean jump in and fix the problem. Right. It means let's, let's shift back then to that problem solving part of, Mm -hmm. you know, that cognitive regulation. Building their skills to, you know, and, and also validating that they are asking, you know, I'm so thankful you did ask for help, but I think, you know, like, I think you can do this without me telling you the answer. Right, right. Because it is a fine Um, balance of, you know, that learned helplessness. And then those kids who you offer help, offer help, and they're like, no, no, no. Right, yes. (laughs) They refuse refuse help. So, you know, we're we're always playing to at least two audiences in our classroom. We are. Um, And so making sure that we are promoting we don't want to shut down that they don't ask for help, you know? Right. Right. We don't want them to be intimidated to ask. Right. But we also need judging whether they do need to seek for help or, mm-hmm. or are acknowledging that they really do need to seek help and we need to practice these skills. We often feel a time crunch too in public. For sure. I think many as teachers, we, and we sweep in too quickly. Mm-hmm. We get in there too fast because we're, we're pressed for time and we need to complete this task. And so um, we need to be very cautious of that mm-hmm. because kids need time to grapple with problems. Yeah, They need time 
to really think through their problems, whatever it is they're working on. And sometimes we we rob them of the opportunity to be their own problem solver Mm -hmm. when we swoop in there too quickly. And we want them to develop skills like grit and perseverance and things like that. And they're going to have to be in situations. Yes. There are times when they can't do it. And so we, we need them to come to us. Absolutely. And Frey Fisher and Smith mentioned four different areas that go back to seeking help that I thought were interesting and I wanted to share with you guys. So uh, some, some lessons that we could do or some conversations we have is, you know, just how to ask for help, you know, properly, kindly, you know, that's a big deal with their peers, maybe more so than us, but that is something we need to focus on and how to offer help to someone that's a biggie. Yes, that's a really big one. Mm-hmm. Especially for your your bossy pants in your rooms. You know, they'll just come in and barge in and work those problems for those kids. But it's like, no, how, how do you truly offer help? Yes. And the third thing is how to accept help. I think that would be so sweet to practice. I do too. And then a big one is how to decline help politely when you're not ready for it or, or you think I'm okay without it. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's a lot to go on with help and seeking help that really will transfer to life and not just in the content area. Because that's what we want to see these things out on the playground in the hallway. And we're going to have to prompt and model and, you know, think aloud and and guide them to get them to that point. And I think give them some sentence stems. Oh, for sure. I had that one example in the text was, do you need some help from me? Or are you still working this one out on mm-hmm. your own? And this particular teacher said, that's one he hears a lot. And wouldn't that be great to hear your kids talking to each other like oh, that? Oh, man. I, I think that would be beautiful. You know, you you use your early finishers to walk around and that, mm-hmm. they could say that. They could practice yeah. that. Yeah. And then the, just, the kids could practice either politely declining it or how to accept uh-huh. it. Yeah. It could be beautiful. Yes. Um, it and it is just so important that they learn to advocate for themselves. Yes. That's true. I think that's a good one. Knowing when to ask for help, how to ask for help, how to receive help, or how to politely decline. Mm -hmm. And again, this is just super important that you're really paying attention to the environment that you're creating, the emotional environment, that it's a safe space um, because kids just won't ask for help if they don't feel safe. And that may not be a you and the kid thing. That may be a kid not feeling safe with the other kids around. So really, really focusing on building those student to student relationships. I think so too. And I think the inner student, you know, like really focusing on building that confidence because confident people will ask for help. It's the students who aren't really confident. That's a very good point. who, Who just won't. So Yes. I see that working with teachers too. Mm-hmm. Really confident teachers will say, Hey, I'm not sure I don't get this. How to do this. Will you help me? And then when we're when we don't have that confidence in, in the things we do well, then we tend to just hide out in our classroom and 
we're yeah. drowning over here and nobody knows. Yeah, because you really, like a lot of times I'll see, I, I just don't, I don't want anybody to know that this is a problem, you know? Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's okay. Ask for help. I, One more thought about those kids who avoid your help, you know, who they, you, you say, oh, you could go to tutoring or whatever, or you could do this and um, to offer two choices. Or three oh, yeah. choices and say, yeah. all right, you know, I'm noticing that you're, you, you need some help and this may be hard for you, but you have three options to, you know, for, to help yourself and you're really going to have to force them because you know, they, they've got to have your help. Um, but maybe just offering choices will help soften the blow of that. I think so. Yeah. And, so. so the next one, Laura, is decision-making. And boy, oh boy, is this a big one. For everybody. It can influence every minute of your classroom. It can. And also, I think for kids, for adults, I think part of the problem in the world is that people don't look at things from different perspectives. Oh, for sure. They don't, they don't think about different options. Mm-hmm. They only, they tend to be, and it's especially true for kids because they're egocentric. You know, they see it from their worldview right? and they don't really see anybody else's point of view. So they can't really think of another option. I think reading books with kids where characters have to make really tough choices and weigh their mm-hmm. options is um, a good way to help build this skill, but really helping them. The author says, uses the term cognitive flexibility and being Mm -hmm. able to really think of different um, paths. Yeah. I love that term of cognitive flexibility. It's just really, you know, can, can our brains be flexible enough to consider to different or even more when we're trying to make a decision, you know, am I going to the right or the left or et cetera? Yeah. And I think for kids who um, have a little bit of problems with attention and that really that executive functioning piece, Uh they have a hard time thinking about consequential thinking and you know, if, if I do this yes. thing, then this effect, like that whole cause and effect, I, I think mm-hmm. that's really, really tough for them. So I think when you're working with kids and you're helping them um, make decisions, you need to really lay out, well, here are some options right. and these will be the consequences of those mm-hmm. options. This is what might happen next. Right. Because I don't, I, I don't think it's, innate in young children to do that. I think it's something that's taught and learned. But those are ways we can coach kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, they just need practice. They need guided practice of making decisions. So mm-hmm. voting in your classroom and um, having having them guide you through prioritizing, you know, I think it would be so fun to do one day to be like, okay, girls and boys, we have these three things to do this morning or ladies and gentlemen in upper class, we've got these three things that we're going to try to accomplish. What order do we need to, what do you think would be best 
to do this in. Um, just getting them to practice simple skills like that. Do we think um, note-taking on our computers or note-taking on our paper would be a better decision? Just offering them options and choices and talking through them, I think, would be great. I do too. And pros and cons. Yeah, absolutely. I get a list. You know, the, here, here are the positive things for that. Mm-hmm. Here are some issues we could potentially have. Um, that's a life skill. I mean, how many times have we done that? You and I together. Like, <laughs> Let's teach her yeah, it. <laughs> no, teach her that, baby. Because uh, oh, go ahead. if you don't know what your what a potential pitfall might be, you, you can make the wrong choice. You can make the wrong choice. Mm-hmm. And so what we're really hoping is that it, with these experiences in our classroom and us prompting for that, then it is transferring. And so when they're out on the playground and this happens, or when I'm in the lunchroom and you say something mean to me, it's like I'm, I've, I've become cognitively, I've become flexible cognitively and I can start to see those two options. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I debate, you know, teaching your kids how to debate and argue, um, mm-hmm. you know, building those skills, how to question and things like that. Um, and then the book recommends strategy games, like doing, putting Scrabble in your room, but then forcing them to talk about the strategies that you're using. So yes. I was take, think, taking that for math, you know, when I'm meeting with my partner on my table, me sharing out what strategy I chose to solve this multiplication problem and talking about why I chose that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then I hear from my other people and then that opens me up to, oh, maybe I should be, I could do this or that. Yeah. Yes. Games like uh, chess. Oh, Those yeah. are problem solving games. My <laughs> boys love to play chess. Yeah. And having that, knowing that if I make this move, this is going to be, this Mm -hmm. is a pitfall I could run into that the other, your opponent might make this move. So you're kind of, I don't know how to play. I can't remember who moves sideways, forwards, back, diagonally. I, they try to teach me, but it is a very good problem solving game. Yeah. I mean, checkers, uh, Jenga, like anything that has cause and effects will be great. Yeah. Um, I I mean, you highlighting that in books, that's just, I think the number one way to do it because they can, so many times we can practice making decisions for others and we can't do it for ourselves. And so building those skills is great. Um, the authors of our book, all learning is social and emotional learning talked about, we, we don't just need help making decisions, but we also need to prompt and help them reflect and evaluate on their choices they made. So the the goal you set, the actions you took, you know, reflect on it. Did it help you reach your goal in a timely manner or in a great manner? Or, you know, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking like we could do, okay, as a class, we made this decision. How did it go? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, they'll be honest. Oh yeah. They'll be <laughs> so honest. Um, but yeah. You know, prompting for this behavior, like in a behavior conference, you know, prompting them to reflect on their choices in a kind way, then a behavior conference can be powerful and build skills mm-hmm. and not just become you know, a No, Laura, that, yeah. I, I have a student that breaks pencils. Mm. I don't even think he knows he does it. Um, 
And about three days in a row, my pencils were broken and stuck in his desk. And then um, he was in here by himself one day. The, the other students uh, were absent or had gone on a field trip or something. They were gone. And so I said, hey, I, I think you're accidentally breaking some pencils. Um, I know you didn't mean to break my pencils, but um, can you tell me about that? And he was like, I just was playing with them with my hands and I, I just popped one and, and I just do that with my hands, like put them between my fingers. He was putting them across, you know, across his okay. fingers and clamping down. And he's a sixth grade boy. I could have lost my mind about him breaking a pencil. It is a pencil. Right. I don't think he was doing anything maliciously. He just was <laughs> messing with his pencils and they broke. And he's not broken another one. Mm. Not since that conversation. He has not yeah. broken another one. Just so making kids aware of something and That's talking so about. I mean, when he told me, I'm just putting it across my fingers and he may need a fidget, something mm -hmm. else to play with, but not yeah. that. Yeah. It's like, okay, when you, when you feel yourself, you know, needing to mess with something, here are some, I mean, yeah. breaking a pencil or doing yeah. another thing. Yeah. 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 Okay, the last skill that we're going to talk about related to cognitive regulation, and remember this episode is the end of a two-part episode. So mm -hmm. episode 20 lays the foundation for cognitive skills, and then we're just finishing it up. This one is a big one, and it's about organizational skills. It's huge. It's huge. And I mean, if you have your adult friends, if you look at them, you know that there are varying... Um, rates of development of organization and maybe they're finishing developing and it's just over, but we all have different um, capacities of organization, but organization highly impacts behavior and learning. It does. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this on this podcast before, uh, you know, just setting up your classroom and getting organized for learning. And it is, it is not something you do once and then you're done. It's not a once and done. So we've got to constantly work with kids on how to, how to maintain that and how to plan right. with them. Now, Landon, my 25 year old who's back in school said, mom, I need you to sit down with me. And I mean, he works full time. He works 40 hours plus a week. And, and he's, he's got chemistry in some other class. He takes them in five week segments. And I said, he said, I need you to sit down with me and work out a calendar so I can kind of pace everything. And he realizes he's seeking help. Mm -hmm. He realizes it needs to be done, but he wants, he doesn't want me to do it for him, but he wants me to sit down and kind of talk it out and yeah. problem solve with him. So he understands that organizational need mm -hmm. and he just needs to talk through it. But I think calendars, um, notebooks, files, calendars are huge for me. Calendars I have to match huge out. folders. I mean, with my college students, I would say, okay, and where are we going to put this? <laughs> like, yeah, you know, even from the yeah. or and and what should you do with this deadline that we just set together? Mm -hmm. You hear Siri, put your reminders, you know, in your planner whatever, you know, trying to prompt them to organize, um, because it, that is a huge skill, um, that needs to, you know, I would say, you know, it's on purple paper because yeah. 
it is very yeah. important, uh, you know, or we, how, how might we prioritize these steps or whatever, you know, just really mm-hmm. trying to get them to, to practice organizing. Siri yeah. was thinking so out. they got to know um, in the book, they use Hattie's work about the, 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 these three categories. So one of them is studying. Like mm-hmm. how do you organize for studying? They don't really know how to study often. No, they do not know how to take notes effectively. They don't know how to highlight. So all these study skills that Hattie shares or that, that talks about with has great effect on learning. So it's mm-hmm. definitely worth our time teaching, but that they do not three. have the skills to do it. No. Point six three. Point six no, three. Anything above point four is worth your investigation of replicating. And point six three is definitely, I mean, alert bells for me. Like I will invest my time in that. But it is just like we have to teach them how to do math. We have to teach them how to do these things. Mm-hmm. Yes. How to take notes, how to summarize. Mm. Yeah, those those are weak, weak skills out in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. Um, how to monitor their own learning and know when it's breaking down. That whole medic that that we talked about on the last podcast. That whole idea of metacognition, recognizing when things are going awry and how to fix it. Right. Monitoring your thinking and then acting on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, really organization goes quite nicely with all the things we've talked about. Yes. Because, you know, I might need to seek help, but I'm I'm going to have to organize some plans. I'm going to have to activate some strategies to get it there. Yeah. Set myself a goal. Uh, I always tell my kids, get a plan, work the plan. Yeah. Get a plan, work the plan. <laughs> but, you know, and we talked about this in goal setting last last week about how, we just, the time limits cannot be big. Kids, humans, oh, no. humans do not, we no. need a quick accountability. So making mm-hmm. sure that when students, you are helping prompting their organization skills, that you do keep good tight time limits in mind. You know, the author said in the book that one thing we can do is just bring their attention to it. Yeah. Just bring their, just like with the pencils mm-hmm. and my student, you know, just bring their attention to it. And I think that's just a, something we need to do in everything. Just having that explicit moment about mm-hmm. what we are working on and how that would might help the learner or help the mathematician or what, whatever. Um, this is really, this is building your skills and helping you learn better. Um, Good, yes. good stuff. Um, yes. Okay, listeners, yes. so we highly encourage you to really think about these cognitive regulation skills. Let's name them off one more time. Okay. Well, the first one is metacognition. Mm-hmm. Thinking about what we just what we just talked about. Right. Um attention, yes, goal setting. Um Performance versus mastery goals. Recognizing and resolving problems, seeking help, decision-making, and organization. So those are, those are some, uh, 
those are broad skills, but definitely they they play a role in the effectiveness and efficiency in your classroom. And, they do. And, and empower. Yes. And we want to empower them. Mm-hmm. So we want to give them ownership in these skills because we're not always going to be around. Right. And they're going to keep going. But, and, and so and- we us just highlighting that these are skills that we're working on, ladies and gentlemen, you know, um, it's a big deal. I just think the biggest thing when we talk about emotional regulation skills and cognitive regulation skills, we just must remember that we are helping them develop skills. So I can't just say, go do it, you know, or good luck or try harder. Um, I have, I have to be there to support them. I know. I was thinking about a book. It may have been by Colleen Beers, which really doesn't have as much to do with this, but the, the idea behind it, she's, I think it was her. Um, and she said she kept, she told her students when she first started teaching, you know, find the main idea. And this child was a young person was not doing it. And she said, just find the main idea. And finally, after this back and forth of you, you just read it and find the main idea. <laughs> and the student said to her, she said it was an epiphany for her. Um, you know, you, you keep telling me to find the main idea, but I don't know how to find the main idea. Mm-hmm. So you keep telling me to get organized, but I don't know how to get organized. Or you, you keep telling me to pay attention or you keep telling me to reach my goal. But it's like, no. I need help in doing it. Yes. We need to lay out the steps. So what is the plan for doing that? Mm-hmm. Good stuff to think about. Yes, it is. Okay, guys. Um, as always, thank you so much for listening. Yes. Yeah. We'll be back next week with uh, a guest. We'll be back next week for the kids. Yes, we have an exciting topic. We're going to start exploring co-teaching. Yeah, it's a big thing right now. It is. So we will be back to discuss that next week. As always, make sure that you download and share this podcast. It helps other people find us. We hope that we helped you in some way today. Our goal is to help one teacher, help one student, one time, and one day. Thanks for listening. 